Bill King is the king of college football, and his sample size is large. Just ask him. Does our buckle with us? Good timing for a number of reasons, but changes proposed in college football running the clock after first downs. Unless it's the last two minutes of the half, running the clock after incomplete passes, not allowing back-to-back timeouts, such as icing the kicker, things like that. Buck, you played it all the way up. You played by both rules. Do you have a preference? Well, Bill, I, I, don't, I don't know if it really matters anymore because of the way the passing game is. So I think that's probably why when we get to these four-hour games or – four-and-a-half-hour games, I think that's why we're starting to see some of these things try to be implemented, you know? Especially with the number of plays that are being played now. I think they have to figure out a way, because offenses are going fast, so the only way to combat that is to have something to do with the clock. And I think it's it's finally starting to pay dividends. And, I mean, you saw it in the XFL this weekend, you know, that – uh, the way the clock runs, the way they're able to score three-point three point play, it was a little excitement. If you didn't watch it, people still have heard about, you know, how teams have been able to come back because of that. But also it just allows you not to have as many plays, which I think are the, they're, they're really starting to look at more and more. Did you, when you played in the NFL, if you're behind, though, and that clock's running, that's tough. It's, it's hard. That's tough. That is. That is and it, it forces you – to, you know, really hone in on your plays because you don't have the chance to just keep going fast or, uh, you know, the, the clock is your ally, right? And I think that's what, what it looks like they're trying to do here. It's interesting. They've been talking about that for years, but why now all of a sudden is it the sense of urgency? You know, I'm, I'm just wondering why, because there, there's been talk behind the scenes for a number of years, you know, player safety. We got to really make sure we don't get guys hurt. But now you're starting to see this impetus to push this thing through where we can get these games done in, uh, you know, less than four hours and probably less, in some cases, right at three hours. What about clock runs after an incomplete pass until you, or or, I guess, until you spot the ball? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll say this. Teams are already not using the huddle, so I think they'll – they'll figure out ways to, to go faster, some some right. people, right? Uh, and I, I would have to imagine the defensive-minded coaches have been pining for this for years just because no matter how fast the team goes, you know, they, they can only go at su- such a fast clip, right? They can't go any yeah. faster. And I think that's probably why we're starting to see some of the pushback and some of the things that we're starting to see. So, yeah, I mean, uh, will it will it make a difference? I think it will. I think it'll force it'll force you to be better offensively as opposed to volume or, or you know quantity. It'll be quality, and I think that's what we all have been kind of looking for in college football, right? You want to see the quality of the game as opposed to just more plays. You know, I've called enough games where it's been you know four hours and or or more, and it's hard from a standpoint of. You know, you talk to coaches, how do they keep players locked in for that long? How do they keep offense or defensive players, right? I mean, you see it. 
things happen in games, and he's like, okay, why do you do that? Well, how can you focus on a game that, that's such a violent game for 99 plays? I mean, it's been crazy to watch some of these games where you've had the volume of plays that you had, and fortunately, you've only had a few injuries where you probably could have had a lot more. I brought this up earlier. A team like Tennessee, Josh Heupel, who has done a remarkable job in just two years, and they were in the conversation for the playoffs until late in the season, the regular season. They score fast. They speed up their offense. They don't substitute a lot with their receivers. At least they have it, meaning the defense can't substitute. Would that hurt a team like that? Or do they score so fast it really doesn't matter? Well, it, it, of course, it would be better at how they do it. Now, think about Tennessee. Think of the, the receiver position, man. They were they were blessed with a, a talented group of receivers, right? Yeah. And, you know, that makes a big difference, too, because sometimes it's about the plays, but a lot of times it's about the players making the plays. And if you have to play 70, 80 plays against that receiving crew and a quarterback who's locked in, and their running backs are pretty good, too. That's not an easy thing to do. So I'm interested to see sometimes when they're playing without some of the talented guys that they have and who's going to replace them. It can hurt them. It can hurt Josh Heupel, but Heupel's been able to kind of do it over the years. I don't know if it's going to, say, completely impact him the way maybe it is some of the, the new Vogue play callers because he's been around for a while, and he's had to kind of – morph his offense into different things. So uh, it will be an adjustment, but the way he's been successful pretty much wherever he's been and the way he's been fired and been able to come back from that, I think that's the big thing for me. I'm always interested to see, you know, coordinators or guys that have been with teams that have really good players, i.e. Joe Brady, and he became the next genius and anointed, and now he's had to kind of refigure out how to, how to call plays with players that may not be next-level players, not only in college but in the pros. Think about that team at LSU that he had uh, and how we anointed him and people were anointing him the next best thing. But you also have to be pretty doggone good as a play caller and be able to match it up with really talented players. And I think that's the part to me that I, that's going to be interesting. I think Josh Heupel – will be okay. But I, I, I look at some of the younger up-and-coming folks that we started to anoint as the next coming because sometimes the system is great and then sometimes the players that they have in the system are great and then the uh, rules have allowed them to do some things in that, that, that make them a uh, better problem than what they are. Tommy Myrtle Beach says, the NCAA cares nothing about college football they have turned a blind eye to everything else, so they need to leave college football alone. Shorter games, but longer season with 12-game playoff coming up. NCAA makes no sense, he says. Yeah, I think the NCAA has been a little bit pissed off with the college football since, you know, they don't really control them, right? And I think he, he bring, the point that I like that he says is these games – we need to figure out how to play less games so we're playing the ones that really matter. Uh, I don't want to see Alabama and the SEC playing, you know, a really poor opponent and whenever that week is where they're tuning up for those rivalry games, right? I don't want to see the Big Ten playing, you know, um, not 
not just Mac schools because they've done that for years, but there's sometimes they play teams that you're like, okay, I want to see them have all the games be meaningful. And if you want to play your in-state rival or in-state school that may not be big, that's okay. But let, let's let's call it what it is. That's a money game, and we know it's a money game. You're going to pay them, and they, they should not beat you. Sometimes they will. But I think the NCAA has just said, look, college football is on its own island, and they're going to have to eventually figure out how they're going to rule themselves. And until they do, you know, we're going to always look at the NCAA and blame them, but I think they've kind of like said, okay, we can't really control this <laughs> this massive thing called college football. You guys figure it out. Tell our buckle with us now. Buck played at UCLA, which is also good timing, and not that this is new news, but they're obviously scrambling out west yeah. to figure out their media relationship, which the news has not been encouraging. There's also talk that they're targeting SMU and San Diego State to join the league. Obviously, they sleep with one eye open because they worry about Washington and Oregon leaving. And, Buck, we all know, to use a term, I don't think I'm offending anybody, the Big Ten can make a booty call at 3 in the morning for Oregon and Washington. They're gone, right? They are gone. And... uh, there's also a rumor, which I don't even know if I believe, that maybe there's some talk about the Pac-12 and Big 12 merging. It's kind of messy, Buck. I don't know what we're about to see happen. Yeah, well, you know, you, we've been talking about it for a while that it wasn't over. Um, you know, we had kind of assumed that, that all of that stuff was done. We were finished, and I was like, nah. There's too much going on. There's too many things happening out there to say that it was going to be done. And I agree with you. Washington and Oregon are still in play. Don't sleep on Stanford in in some way, shape, or form. You know? So, I agree. I mean, this thing is going to get ugly before it gets better. And how, how often have we seen it get really, really quiet, and then it ramps up? I think that the, the Pac-12 has to continue to thank or be really pissed off at Larry Scott for some of the things he did with that Pac-12 network. You know, that really ruined this, this conference, and it's going to make it worse for all of them because the Big Ten has been able to go out and get a really nice deal. They've been able to kind of take a couple of the real strong pieces of the Pac-12, which is UCLA and particularly USC because of their prestige in football, and now – there's some other opportunities. I don't think you can just have two West Coast schools, and I know the Pac, the Pac-12 knows that, the Big 12 knows that, and the Big 10. So it's a lot of jockeying for position, and I'd love to be able to be in some of those meetings to know what's going on. You know, as, as strong as we think the AC, ACC is, they're they're bound by their long contract, and what does that do? I mean, you know, there's there's still a lot of movement that can happen in a lot of places, but this Pac-12 move of going to San Diego State makes sense. Uh, SMU, because of the Dallas market, even though SMU hasn't really been strong ever since they – I mean, they're they're getting better now, but uh, since their death penalty, they have not been the school that they used to be. So you got to think uh, anything you can to survive is what the Pac-12 has to do and the Big 12 knows that, and it's just going to be interesting to see how the thing all shakes out. Word is CBS is out. They're not talking. 
anymore yeah. with the Pac-12 and Turner is out. But ESPN's still talking, and there's Big Tech. Big Tech has lots of money. That That's no money for them. If an Amazon came in and said, okay, we've got the money you're missing, and they do. That's not any money. Yeah. Would people adjust to the streaming? I know, I know the revenue would be better for the Pac-12. They'd be happy with that. But would people adjust to streaming games? Uh, some that's a will. So, I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question. I think some will, but some will always push back just because of yeah. how difficult it is. I, I, Bill, I, I really think streaming is coming, whether we want it or not. Now, how much do we want to, you know, we, there's a lot of pushback against streaming, but there's also some good things. You can get it almost anywhere. You can be traveling. We're starting to now, when you fly on the air, on the airlines on Super Bowl night, you can watch the game if it's on one of those linear networks because they're playing it, right, uh, certain airlines. Um, there, there, there's good things about it, but there's other people that are staunchly like, I want to see it on my TV, and I think there's – there's always going to be the people that will say, well, you can get it almost anywhere. And I think if they do it the right way, the Pac-12 had that same thought that we could go linear, but they were going to a market that didn't really care about football, the, the Far East. And there was no groundwork laid for that. Football is really king here in the States and in other European countries that we know that they like football and love football, Germany, uh, London. You know, where, I mean, uh, England, Germany, and, uh, and France is even starting to like, uh, Italy, there's, they're starting to be more, uh, you know, they're starting to be more thirst for football in some of those markets because people have gone over and they've got teams and people are starting to understand football a little bit better. I, I'd say that the big thing is how can they get it sold and how can they get more people involved? It's going to be really key. It's going to be tough for some because some just don't want to stream. But if they do it the right way and they give you good quality games, I think that was the problem if you look at the Thursday night game. As much money as they paid for that, they got Al Michael, they got Herbie, but the quality of the games were not good. And that's another piece. How well are your games going to be received is how well they're played. And I think that's going to be important for whoever starts with the streaming piece of it and making sure that they put the best quality games and not the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth tier games, which will turn people off and piss them off. Buck, have they named Dante Moore the quarterback yet? I know that's not a new question. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not yet. Not yet. Spring ball hasn't happened yet, so it hasn't officially come, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'm going to keep a close eye on it. <laughs> I've seen that happen before. Now, it wasn't a true freshman who yet to play, but how Mummy did it with Tim Couch. Remember, he hadn't played it down, and he came in oh, and just yeah. announced, hey, we ain't even going to spring practice. I got my quarterback. So I've seen that. Yeah, happen. yeah, I remember that. That's right. That, that's funny you brought that up because it was. Uh, that's exactly right. But appreciate yeah. it, bud. We'll see you next okay, week. Okay, okay. Thanks, Bill. Y'all have a good one. Yep, there he is, Charles Arbuckle. Yeah, how mommy gets the job? They run off Bill Curry, and he meets with Couch. Couch is thinking about transferring. 